Traditional Chinese medicine is an ancient practice making waves in the modern health era, addressing mind, body and soul as one unit TCM aims to connect the human with the being on multiple levels. Health shouldn't be elusive or inaccessible, a notion that this ancient practice adheres to. Our products at Your Tea are merely a stepping stone to this brilliant wellness modality. Hence, we are here to honour and discover the intricacies of revered traditional Chinese medicine. In our podcast, we discuss the Chinese medicine approach and interpretation of health what it means, and how TCM endeavours to achieve it. From endometriosis to digestion, qi to shen, PCOS to menopause, eating to movement, and mind to soul. Are you aware of the undeniable connection between digestive health and the menstrual cycle? In this episode, TCM Dr. Lauren Curtin unpacks this relationship and explains how the quality of our menstrual cycle is highly dependent on our ability to digest foods. A few points of discussion throughout this episode are common gut issues that may correlate with certain menstrual issues such as absorption and cycle length and the flow of menstrual blood and digestion. The link between excess cervical fluid or none at all, and the digestive system, how a compromised gut may be causing your PMS, the importance of gut health in regards to fertility, how changing your diet throughout the four phases of the menstrual cycle can be beneficial to your overall well-being. Enjoy this episode and don't forget to let us know what you think by subscribing and leaving us a review. Let's talk about how the digestive system connects with a woman's cycle. Yeah, this is a really big aspect of menstrual health because how we're digesting will absolutely show up in the quality of our menstrual cycle. And this has a really big role to play in almost every aspect of um, menstrual health. So when we look at cycle length, it's like a huge impact on how we're digesting. Because if we're not getting enough nutrients in, if we're not making enough chi and blood, our cycles are going to be long because we're not going to be able to ovulate. We need a lot of energy reserves and a lot of fuel to actually nourish ovulation. And if we're not getting enough food in, if we're not getting enough nutrients in, ovulation will be delayed. And whenever ovulation is delayed, our period will be delayed. And then before we know it, we're having a long menstrual cycle. And we would classify that as anything over like 35 days would be deemed as a long cycle and it means that ovulation is being impacted for whatever reason and sometimes it's due to other factors but a lot of the time it's due to purely not fueling our bodies enough to have those raw materials to fuel ovulation. We can even see this in our cervical fluid because we should be seeing cervical fluid with ovulation and this is the fluid that we secrete leading into ovulation and it's a sign that we're fertile, it's a sign that estrogen is rising and that's very normal and it should be kind of watery, slippery and stretchy like raw egg whites or even like a little bit creamy emotionally, that's all super normal. But if we see a situation where someone is having cervical fluid all throughout their cycle and quite copious, 
that can indicate that there's something going on with the digestive system and it's indicating a bit of dampness in their system. So paying attention to those type of things can really give a good insight into your digestive health and your health overall as well. You have touched on a few there, but what are some common gut issues that may correlate with cycle issues? Absorption issues is a really big one. If we're not actually absorbing our nutrients, our cycle will absolutely be impacted and that could be long cycles. It could be short cycles as well. And that'll be anything less than 25 to 27 days. If you're having cycles less than 27 days, oh, sorry, less than 25 days, something's definitely going on and we need to make sure that your nutrition is in a state that can support your hormonal health. And if it's not, then we're going to see it in the cycle. So absolutely cycle length and also your menstrual flow. If you have a really light period, a really scanty flow, that can really indicate that you're not making enough chi and blood and you're literally not making enough blood to be able to pass. And that could be due to the uterine lining not thickening up enough during the cycle to shed. If we're only shedding a little bit of blood, that means that the lining hasn't thickened up enough. And why could that be? That could be blood circulation issues, but it can also be purely not having enough chi and blood in your system to divert to the uterus to thicken up the lining. So then you can then shed it with your period. So paying attention to the flow is really, really important. On the other hand, if you're bleeding too much, that can also indicate an issue with digestion because from a Chinese medicine perspective, we pay a lot of attention to the health of the spleen And one of the functions in the spleen organ system is holding blood within the vessels. So if we're having easy bleeding, if we're having bruising, if we get blood noses, or even if we get heavy periods, it can be a sign of the spleen organ system not holding the blood within the vessels. And so what happens? We have a really heavy period. There can be heaps of other factors that contribute to a heavy period, but this is a really common one that a lot of us see in clinic with a lot of women. And when we can get in and focus on digestive health, it can make a huge impact into someone's experience of their period, of the cycle length, and then even things like pain and PMS as well. On that, if we are talking PMS, then how may a compromised gut affect PMS? It affects it ginormously. (laughs) So we need, obviously, as we've said before, a lot of nutrition to be making the right amount of hormones but we also need to be eliminating and processing our hormones in a really healthy way as well. And this has a lot to do with the liver and then also the bowel. So the liver is what is metabolizing all of the hormones in our body. And if our liver is compromised, if it's stagnated, if it's it's burdened by too many other things it needs to process, hormones are pushed to the bottom of the to-do list and your liver is more concerned with processing plastics out of your system, processing chemicals out of your system, medications it wants to do all of that first and it will leave hormones to last so if we can work on liver health as well we can actually bring your hormones to the top of the to-do list so they're getting metabolized much more easily then once the hormones are metabolized from the liver they get sent to the bowel to be eliminated through a stool but if our digestive health is compromised say if we're a little bit more on the constipated side if we're not going every day or we're not having complete movements then those metabolized hormones aren't being eliminated. They're staying in the stool, and if they linger there, they actually get reabsorbed into the large intestine, and then suddenly they're in the bloodstream again. And except they're a different type of version of hormones, they're like a metabolized 
broken down form of the hormone and that in itself can cause women horrific PMS. So just regulating the bowels can have a huge impact on women's periods. So interesting. It sounds as if the digestive system and the reproductive system is so intricately connected. So connected. And especially with fertility as well. Whenever we look at fertility, we really need to be focusing on gut health. But whenever we're focusing on fertility, it means we're looking at the menstrual cycle and making sure that's as healthy as possible. And for that to happen, gut health needs to be number one. And would you say that throughout a woman's cycle that their diet should change in accordance to their cycle? Absolutely. So in Chinese medicine, we see four different phases of the menstrual cycle. We see the bleeding phase, which is the first phase. And then we enter the pre-ovulatory phase, which is also known as the follicular phase. And this is when we're actually growing a little We grow a few little eggs on our ovaries and the closer that we get to ovulation, one egg is selected and that's the one that will be ovulated. Then we enter our ovulatory phase and that's purely when an egg is released from an ovary. Then we enter our post-ovulatory phase and this is called the luteal phase and this is all about progesterone. And this is when we're holding the lining in place, waiting for potentially a fertilized egg to implant. If your second phase of your cycle is quite short, then that can indicate issues with progesterone, which is really indicating issues with your blood. Then we enter into the first phase, which is the bleeding phase again. So we've got these four distinct phases of the cycle. And so absolutely in Chinese medicine, we really view the menstrual phase and the postmenstrual phase, the follicular phase, as the blood and yin building time. So we need to make sure that our nutrition is on point during these phases. Because if we think about it, we've just lost all of this energy during our period. We've literally lost blood and we've lost resources. And now we need to go in and rebuild. So not only do we have to make up for the loss of blood, now our body is diving into growing eggs again and growing up the th- is thickening the uterine lining again. And this whole process is very energy dense. So we need to be supporting that with food. And we can do that with bone broth. That's like the go-to in Chinese medicine to rebuild blood because bone broth contains collagen, all of the amino acids, and it also contains the precursors to red and white blood cells. And what do we need for a period? We need a lot of blood. So having a lot of bone broth is so supportive with nourishing your menstrual health. And then as we enter into the post-ovulatory phase, we want to be focusing on lots of greens especially brassica family veggies, because those type of vegetables actually help your liver to push out and metabolize all of these excess hormones that are floating around in our system. And the more that we can support our liver doing that, the less likely we are to get PMS symptoms as we lead into that next period. So you can definitely use diet as a way to help balance your hormones. And you can also use diet to reflect where you are in each phase of your cycle. So with the brassica type, Mm. can you explain what some of those vegetables would be so that is broccoli cauliflower cabbage kale bok choy and brussels sprouts great if you get a lot of those in every day obviously cooked that's really going to be helping your hormonal health and do you think on that topic of diet that women may feel as if they need more food at a certain stage of the cycle than another yes it's really common for women to have an increased appetite before their period and that's quite normal Also because when we make progesterone after we ovulate, 
that's actually more of an intensive hormone to make in comparison to estrogen. So we actually have a high requirement of energy when we make progesterone. So it's super normal to be craving more foods during that phase of your cycle post-ovulation. Sometimes if things are a little bit more out of balance and if we're craving heaps of sweet foods before our period, that can really indicate a weakness with the spleen organ system because the flavor of the spleen is sweet. And it's really normal to be craving sweet foods if your spleen is out of balance. But historically, we would be going for sweet herbs and sweet vegetables mm. rather than processed sugars. But now our body's like, processed sugars, that's really going to help my spleen. It thinks that, but it's actually going to weaken it. So that's something to look out for as well before your period. So interesting. So moving away from diet for a little bit and talking about stress, what may excessive stress look like for a woman's cycle? Stress has a massive impact on our hormones and a massive impact on our menstrual cycles. The first thing that you'll notice if stress is impacting your menstrual cycle is the length. So stress can definitely delay a period, which means it's delayed ovulation. And this is purely because when we are stressed, our body isn't focused on reproduction. It could not care less about balancing our hormones. It's focused on survival. And I always say that our body is like an ancient body in a modern world because we really haven't evolved that much since hunter-gatherer times. And so back in the day, if we were under stress, it would be, if it was chronic stress, it would probably be due to like a famine or a war or like chase, like running from a lion or something like that. And that's not the right time to be getting pregnant and having babies. So our body does not prioritize menstrual health when we're under stress. Whereas now we're probably not being chased by a lion. We may have like constant deadlines or we may have like chronic low grade stress from work, family, social media, like whatever it is. A lot of people have chronic stress these days and that's really, really common, but it may not necessarily be life threatening, but our body doesn't perceive a difference. So it's still not prioritizing menstrual health and prioritizing survival. So if you're stressed, ovulation is really likely to be impaired and you'll see that with a long menstrual cycle if that goes on for long enough you may notice that your period may stop so you may experience amenorrhea which means that you haven't had a period for six months if that's happening it's really worth tuning in and investigating what's going on and absolutely looking at stress It's interesting there as well that you really focus on ovulation and of course the period but I think a lot of people think that perhaps their period is late but would you agree that it's the ovulation I'd love for you to elaborate on that yes this is one of the questions that I get all the time in clinic so whenever your period is late okay let me rephrase that your period is never late it's always ovulation that's late our period always comes precisely when it's meant to that is never late the first step that has to happen before a period is ovulation Once we ovulate, we will get a period two weeks later. That's just guaranteed. Unless, of course, you've fallen pregnant, then you won't be getting a period for nine months. But provided you're not falling pregnant or anything like that, as soon as you ovulate, you can know you're going to get a period two weeks later. The thing that's variable is the time to ovulation. That's where the delay is. Ovulation can absolutely be late, but as soon as you ovulate, your period's coming. So if you feel like you're in a pattern where your periods are late, don't know where your period is, if it's a couple of days, that's not a big deal. If it's a few weeks or a few months, that's obviously a bigger deal and that's something to look into. 
But ovulation is the thing that's the variable. The period is the guarantee. So tailoring your diet and reducing stress in order to nurture ovulation, you would say, is really important. That's really important. And I mean, there's so many different things that impact our menstrual cycles. But when we're trying to balance out our hormones and enhance our menstrual cycle health, we absolutely cannot look past diet and lifestyle. And could you now please talk about what are the signs of a healthy cycle? Yes, we can. So the ideal cycle would be, from a Chinese medicine perspective, 26 to maybe 30 days, anything that creeps more towards 35, there's something out of whack. And anything less than 26-ish days, there's also something going on there. So this is if we're being really picky and we're looking at the ideal menstrual cycle. So a really regular, healthy ovulation and period. And then we want to look at the qualities of your actual bleed. We're looking for four to five days of bleeding. We're looking for a period that's not too light, not too heavy. You will generally have a gauge of this. If you're only using a liner for your whole period, that's definitely a light period. We want a quite a substantial flow, but obviously not flooding and not leaking, not to that extent. We want to be not seeing any clots at all. A lot, a lot of women see clots in their period blood, and that's a sign that something is out of whack internally and that there's some stagnation there. If they're really small clots, like pea size, rice grain, five cent piece, that's totally fine. That's purely tissue coming out. But when they start to get bigger, like golf ball size, there's something going on there, and that needs to be investigated, absolutely. The other thing is spotting. A lot of women can get spotting before or after their periods or even around ovulation. And from a Chinese medicine perspective, that's definitely a sign to tune in and investigate what's going on there because either your lining is letting go too early and you're getting spotting before your bleed, which can be due to a few different things. Or at the end, if you're getting spotting after your period, it means that the uterus hasn't been able to discharge all of the blood in a pretty easy and quickly way. And it's just kind of like scattering out and still putting out little bits of blood. And that can have a lot to do with actual uterine health. So we want to make sure that there's no spotting. We want your period to just start and stop. And we also want to make sure that you're ovulating. That's the biggest sign because you can have cycles where you get a period but didn't necessarily ovulate. And that's an anovulatory cycle. And that means you've had a breakthrough bleed. So we need to make sure that you're actually ovulating regularly in order to be making your hormones. Aside from cycle length and the actual qualities of your period, we also want to be making sure that you're not having any PMS. In Chinese medicine, we say that the period should just come and go with ease. So if you're having any symptoms that disrupt your life, like pain, if you get mood changes, headaches, bloating, breast tenderness, bowel changes like diarrhea or constipation, nausea, night sweats, there's a lot of things that can happen with PMS. Um, if you're getting any of those symptoms, that is not normal. It's super, super common, but it isn't normal physiologic menstrual functioning. It's a sign your body's giving you to dive deep because something is out of whack. And that can come from inflammation. That can come from poor chi and blood production. That can come from stagnation in your system. There's so many different things that can create an imbalance with our menstrual cycle. But I actually think women are quite lucky because we have this immediate sign when something is going on with our bodies. Whereas when there's 
with men when there's no menstrual cycle, <laughs> they can go on for a while, maybe under the radar mm-hmm. with a health issue that isn't being addressed. Whereas with women, we can't really get away with it. If there's something going on or if there's some stress in our life or some behavior that we're doing, whether it's diet or lifestyle that isn't actually supporting our health, it's going to show up with your period. Great. For women who have a troubled cycle, what are some basic recommendations you would give them? So the very first thing is to actually write down what is going on with your cycle, to actually track it, because that's the best way to get support and actually get targeted, tailored support, either from a health practitioner or if you're doing this at home by yourself, to actually gauge if what you're doing is helping or not. So the very first thing is I would be tracking your cycle length. I would be tracking how many days you bleed for, what the flow is like, if you get any clotting or spotting, if you get any PMS. Write all of that down because then as you start to make changes, you can compare back month to month and see if what changes have actually happened because it can be really easy to forget. Like who remembers what their period was like four months ago? I definitely don't. But if it's written down, you can't forget. But the first thing would be to look at diet and make sure that you're reducing things that can impact your hormone metabolism. So this is usually inflammatory triggers because this will create a state of inflammation usually in the digestive system. And then also the liver. And the liver is one of the primary organs for balancing our hormones. And if that's out, it's very likely our periods are gonna be out. And from a Chinese medicine perspective, the liver ensures the smooth flow of qi throughout the whole body. So if the liver is stuck for whatever reason, and that can often be due to diet or due to stress, we will know about it with our period because we're going to be getting a lot of symptoms leading into our periods because if the liver is in charge of the smooth flow and if we're leading into our flow and if there's getting symptoms there, it definitely means the liver is being compromised. So looking at diet is really important, looking at gut health, looking at your stress levels and sleep and then also relationships, workplace, Are you doing what you really want to do in life? And even like your structural positioning of your uterus can have an impact on your periods. So there's heaps of things you can dive into. You mentioned the inflammatory triggers. By that, did you mean certain types of foods? Certain types of foods, but then there can also be environmental triggers as well. So if we're looking at foods, a lot of things that can add inflammation to women's systems and throw their estrogen levels out are things like gluten, dairy, and processed sugars. These are the most common ones. And then even alcohol, because all of these things can impact ovulation, sorry, impact inflammation. And whenever inflammation is increasing, it's going to bring estrogen up with it. And when estrogen is out of whack, we're going to be getting symptoms. So that's kind of like the food side of things that can be throwing our hormones out, but then also environmental chemicals, because there's a lot of things that will mimic estrogen in our system, which can then give us symptoms. Things like pesticides, chemicals that we use in our body, things that we're exposed to, basically anything that goes into our mouths or onto our skin, it could either be helping or hindering our hormones. So we want to be really diligent, obviously not making it overwhelming, but just taking it step by step and just assessing your environment and being like, okay, what could actually be impacting my hormones, impacting my health, impacting my digestion? And then could this be relating to my period? And that's a great recommendation for women who do have a troubled cycle is to start by looking at diet, but also lifestyle and what sorts of products they have in their homes. Absolutely. That's a really, really big one. 
Um, even like cleaning products, like dishwashing, liquid, whatever you put on your skin, deodorant, like all of this stuff, it may seem like small things, but if we're exposed to it every single day for like 30 years, it's going to add up or even more, it's going to add up. And that low dose exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals is what's been shown to actually make a massive impact on our menstrual health and not in a good way. Mm. And with these recommendations you've provided, if a woman is on any form of contraception, will making these positive changes still help? Still help her period or still help her health? (laughs) I think still help her health and her cycle. Absolutely. So making any positive changes will still help even if you're still on the pill. But there's still going to be that aspect of hormonal contraception in your system. And we know that hormonal contraception is inflammatory. We know that it depletes our nutrient stores. It's obviously an estrogen. So we have to deal with that aspect with the potential risks that come with high dose estrogen. Um, And the periods that we get when we're taking the pill isn't like our normal natural periods. So it's not going to be to the same extent of how our natural periods reflect our overall health because that's somewhat masked when we're on the pill. But absolutely, if you're on the pill or on any other kind of hormonal contraception, still make these positive changes because one day if you decide to stop, you will need to go through that whole process of regulating your cycle then. And if if you've already had months or years in advance of getting your health in a really good state well before you stop contraception, then you're going to be in a much better situation when that time comes. And just linking back to the digestive system, that can be a really great place, would you say, for women to start, even if they are on contraception, is looking after their gut health and eating foods that can really nourish their bodies and their cycle. Absolutely. And especially because of the fact that the pill in particular does impact digestive health, it's even more important for women that are taking the pill to be making sure that they are on point with their diet and their digestive health whilst they're taking the pill. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for sharing your knowledge today. This is information that I'm sure a lot of women are going to absolutely soak up and appreciate. And it really seems like menstrual cycles are your jam. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of TCM Honoured by Your Tea. The views expressed on today's episode are those of the independent authors and commentators and do not constitute medical or pharmaceutical advice. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a review and subscribing. If you have any questions, you can reach us on Instagram at yourtea or by emailing us at hello at yourtea.com.